The information contained in this podcast is an expression of opinion and does not constitute investment advice. This is the Gold Money Foundation podcast with Dominic Frisbee, keeping you up to date with expert opinion on precious metals and the markets. Hello and welcome to the Gold Money Foundation podcast hosted in association with Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with me, Dominic Frisbee. Now, there is a new and very interesting book about gold that's just come out. It's called In Gold We Trust. It uh, shows a, it, it sheds a rather more cynical light uh, on the world of gold. It's not all um, bullish, 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 bullish on gold, as some books that you read are. The authors of this book are Matthew Bishop and Michael Green. Matthew Bishop is uh, uh, the American business editor and the New York Bureau Chief of The Economist. He began his career at The Economist as an economics correspondent, and he's also served as the magazine's Wall Street editor. Um, Michael Green is an economist and writer. He was formerly a senior official in the British government where he advised on global finance issues and he managed the British aid programs to to Russia and the Ukraine. Um, And he served three secretaries of state as head of communications. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on. Michael, why don't we start with you? Why don't you give us um, a a, a brief outline of the book and, uh, and, and tell us what inspired it? Well, thanks, Dominic. I mean, the book is, we wouldn't call it cynical. I think the book is titled In Gold We Trust with a question mark. Because in some sense, it's sort of an economics detective story. Um, we were inspired to write the book because um, some of the people we were talking to, some of the most successful investors in the world, you know, John Paulson, who bet so successfully against the U.S. housing market, um, Ray Dalio, who's now the world's number one hedge fund manager, George Soros, who, of course, is a legend. All these really serious investors were talking about their interest in gold. Um, and seeing gold as a good bet. And we just thought this was a fascinating subject, given that so much of the economics profession and um, the media is so dismissive of gold. So the book is really an attempt to sort of say, well, what's going on with gold? What does this tell us? Um, And so we go through some of the history of gold and how it's been used and the story of the gold standard. And really what we're saying in the book is that there's a, we're at a moment now in the world with, given the state of the global economy, given the whole problem of this highly leveraged recession that we're going through, is that we think that at some point governments are going to have to respond um, to the crisis using inflation. And inflation is going to be the, is the best scenario possible for gold. So gold is the, is, is the canary in the gold mine telling us about the warning of a coming crisis in money. And so since we use gold in the book as a lens to understand what's going on with money and the global economy in total. Okay, excellent. And uh, Matthew, do you have anything to add to that? No, I mean, I, I think that's, that's the key point that, you know, gold is, 10 years ago, the end of the 1990s, you know, all the conventional thinkers, all the, all the great and the good dismissed gold completely. They said it was, you know, a historical anachronism that it should be in the dustbin of history you know but even warren buffett today still says that that it's only only kind of crazy people uh, have anything to do with gold and, and and i think in the course of writing the book we've become convinced that that's not the case that the reason gold has gone up is that some of the smartest people in the world as investors have seen reason to worry about the quality of government-backed money and 
They see gold as an alternative currency. And I think they have good reason to do that. Now, I think the question that we have now is what happens next to the price of gold? You know, there's been this sort of withdrawal or fall from the peak in the last few months um, in the price of gold. And, and we wonder when, what that tells us. And at the moment, we think it doesn't tell you very much about the long-term scenario for gold because we still think the underlying risk factors are there that, that, that drive gold higher. But, um, you know, there is a moment of, 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 of uncertainty at the moment, which is to do, do I think due to the fact that, um, you know, people are getting very worried about things other than inflation at the moment. And we think inflation, as Mike said, is the is ultimately when gold performs best. And we think inflation is probably going um, to come. Michael, you mentioned uh, Paulson and Soros as two people who've invested in gold. Didn't Soros a year ago uh, say to sell your gold? And didn't Paulson lose a great deal of money last year? Yes, and there's also rumours that Soros has gone back into gold. I think trying to read George Soros's intentions from his public pronouncement this is a very difficult game. Um, I think what we've always, what we argue in the book is, you've, you know, gold has got to be thought of as a, a long-term investment based on this long-term scenario. Because I think some people back in gold, including Paulson, have very much based the argument on the big move around quantitative easing in 2009 was going to feed into inflation by 2012. And we think that may or may not be right. But to us, the real driver of this inflation scenario is going to be the politics. So even if inflation isn't coming through now, the, for our, all the politicians around the world dealing with a debt crisis, ultimately the only politically feasible route out of this is going to be inflation. Um, and that's going to be an issue I think that's going to hit the US quite soon. Um, you know, especially given the choice of do we try and do really tackle the deficit or do we try and inflate it away and inflating it away is going to be a very politically appealing route for any political um, well, leader is it appealing to angela merkel i think well, it is appealing to my obviously it's not appealing to angela merkel but i think the question that we're seeing in europe at the moment is you know if people want the euro to survive um they're going to have to find a way to give uh, to stimulate the economy of places like greece ireland italy spain portugal France even. And, you know, we think the only way that ultimately they're going to be able to stimulate those economies is going to be to print a lot of money and create a lot of inflation. And at the moment, Merkel is resisting that very strongly, but we think she's increasingly marginalized and we're starting to see a realization uh, amongst the European elite politicians that if they want to keep their Euro dream alive, um, they can't do that by pursuing austerity policies. Now, you know, whatever you think about austerity policies, and there's in some ways a lot to be said for them because they do offer the prospect of keeping paper money sound, um, you know, I think that they are extremely painful. And what we've seen already in Europe is that the, the electorates don't like, uh, really don't like austerity and that they're not going to support austerity in the, in the, in the very long run. And so, our prediction is that the mood will change quite sharply in Europe over the next year or two uh, as as the public reacts and says, if, if you want to keep the euro, you've got to find a way to make the economy grow at the same time. And that's going to require a lot of money it's to be printed. Money inevitable, in a great words. example of this political dilemma was a poll that came out in Greece recently that showed strong opposition to austerity and strong support for staying in the euro. I mean, you can't square that circle without some inflationary response to try and deal with that debt problem across the eurozone 
So I think that's the real driver as far as we're concerned, is there's that political politics is going to push. As Matthew says, Germany may resist, but since it's the politics of the Eurozone as a whole that's going to be the key question for the future of the Euro. And Merkel, and Merkel will have to go to, to the German people at some point and say, look, this is your choice. You know, are we going to be good Europeans or are we going to insist on um, you know, the kind of tough money policies that Germany has had for a long time? And Paul Krugman, who um, is no fan of gold, has made this point in his latest book that it wasn't actually um, inflation that brought about the rise of Hitler. It was um, the uh, tough, um, tough policies that followed inflation, um, the austerity policies. And so, um, you know, I think he actually is one of the voices that is now increasingly calling for governments to take on inflationary policies. And, uh, you know, the voice of the New York Times and so forth. And I think that that is going to be increasingly a bellwether for where other, other commentators and politicians are increasingly going to be going. Can you just define inflation, what you mean by inflation for me? Well, I think what we're going to see from governments is... I mean, my guess is we're going to have, we see politicians maybe around the talk of growth pacts, talking about ideas like um, nominal GDP targeting. And that's the idea that your nominal GDP should grow by a fixed amount per year, say 5%. And that means that if your economy is growing at a thumping 5%, you're looking for zero inflation. Whereas if it's growing at 0%, you're looking for 5% inflation. So, and that's the kind of range that Krugman is talking about. So I think we're going to be seeing politicians looking to target that kind of inflation rate and not declaring a pro-inflation policy, but declaring a policy that's saying we're looking to keep nominal GDP growing. Okay. And inflation comes behind can that. You, one of you guys, can you just define inflation? What do you mean by inflation? Um, the usual definition of, of inflation is that uh, the same amount of, the same basket of goods and services that a consumer would want to buy uh, costs more. So rising prices, in other because, words. Because there's an increase. Because rising prices due to uh, an increase in the amount of money. Uh, so a reduction in the value of the money of, the, of, of, a, of, a, of a dollar, essentially, because more money is being printed. So, you know, you don't mind rising prices if you're getting higher quality. Uh, but inflation is when you get higher prices without any change in, the, in, in essentially the quality of the goods you're getting. And that's usually... Uh, a phenomena brought on by um, uh, an excess supply of money, which is why when governments have been doing, when central banks have been doing quantitative easing over the last couple of years, um, people have expected inflation to pick up. Um, now, the, the fact is that the economy is, uh, in, some, in most of the developed world, is in such a slump at the moment that that increase in the money supply hasn't fed through to inflation as quickly as it might do if the economy was near a full employment. And, uh, but, but, but we think ultimately um, the advantages of inflation to government because they reduce what it actually costs to pay off your debt if you're a government. Uh, inflation is very good at reducing the real value of debt. Um, the, they will choose to print lots of money in order to increase inflation and reduce their real uh, debt burden, which gets them out of the political bind and saying anything at the moment where they're faced with this very unpalatable choice between either raising taxes or cutting spending or both. Okay, is it possible for gold to rise if governments uh, take the austere route and don't print money? Well, I think, well, if, I think uh, if austerity leads to an economic recovery, um, then maybe, then that's going to be probably the worst scenario for gold. 
if austerity leads, as someone like Krugman warns, warns to a, a long depression, gold will probably hold its value pretty well. Um, so, I mean, the challenge we really put in the book is what can you see as being the most likely scenario to go ahead? Do we really think that we're going to see political will to, to cut deficits and to really stabilise um, government finances and stabilise paper money? Um, and, it, and the argument against gold, I think, is a very optimistic one that somehow recovery is just going to come without governments having to print money. And I just can't, I find it very hard to see as a scenario. But that would be the worst one for gold. Okay. And it's, and it's worth bearing in mind, I mean, it's worth bearing in mind, the point at which the gold price hit its lows at the end of the 1990s was the point when general faith in central banks and government being able to manage economies without having high inflation, high unemployment was at its highest level. There was this massive faith. People, people thought Alan Greenspan was God and anything he did uh, would keep everything ticking along very nicely. And the reason I think gold has gone up significantly since then has been, um, and this is one of the points we're making in gold because it's been because for good reasons we've come to have doubts about the competence of those people in charge of the economic system, particularly people running central banks and treasuries. And I, you know, the question we have to ask going forward about gold is, are we going to feel better about those people in the next few years, or are we going to feel just as depressed as we do at the moment? And that, I mean, my sense is there's very little evidence that they're getting their act together, certainly not in Europe. And I don't imagine that the election in the U.S. is going to make us feel uh, inspired by the competence of their economic policy making. So by your your reasons um, for investing on go in gold are basically a bet on future money printing, a bet on governments not taking the austere route but taking the inflationary route. We're going through a, a, a crisis in Europe uh, where policymakers seem to be floundering. There's no clear solution. And yet gold has fallen quite dramatically. It hasn't been the, uh, the money of last resort, the ultimate safe haven. Government bonds have. US, UK and German government bonds have. Can you explain why that is? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Dominic. Um, I mean, what's really happened is that the euro worries have pushed money looking for other safe refuges. Um, and so one is going to be German bonds, because if the, even if the eurozone breaks up, Germany, people are pretty confident, is going to survive. Um, and actually, probably the value would, of the, the new German currency would soar. There's the UK, which seems to be reasonably safe. But the really big place that's able to absorb that much liquidity is the US dollar. And I think it really is this point about the dollar still enjoys this position of being the least worst major currency. As Thomas Kaplan, one of the uh, investors we interview in the book, says, you know, all paper currencies are, are toilet paper, the dollar's just double ply. And I think the reason the dollar is enjoying this um, some trust at the moment um, is because in a way the US has kicked a lot of the economic questions into next year. Um, the deal around the, you know, the budget um, that was done last year between Obama and Congress means that the really big issues around the deficit are going to be dealt with. The reasonable performance of the US economy this year has not led to more quantitative easing so far. But again, I think what you're going to see later in the year, if there are worries going into the election particularly, um, given the Federal Reserve's dual mandate to maintain employment as well as tackle inflation, there's going to be pressure for some other form of quantitative easing to occur. So I think at the moment it's this sort of this the, the the gold has suffered 
along with a lot of other commodities due to the strengthening of, of the dollar um, as an alternative to the euro. But once people focus on the quality of the dollar as a store of value, I think it's gonna, that's going to be the thing that's going to drive the next surge in gold. Yeah, and I think the, I mean, the other, the, the other point, um, the other point is that, you know, I think gold as an, as a hedge against Armageddon doesn't really work very well, except in the most extreme circumstances where you feel like the banking system's about to collapse in a spectacular way or society's going to fall apart. You know, gold, our argument is gold is much better as a hedge against, um, inflation. And so, you know, I think it's safe haven properties are real, but at the moment people, you know, are, I think, relatively less panicky than they were, say, last September, uh, when the euro first hit, hit its latest crisis. Okay. And they're more sanguine than they were in March of, of 2009, where it looked like the whole banking system globally was about to collapse, and that people were saying, well, we've got to put our, if it was smart people saying, we've got to put our money in whatever we can that would survive a banking crisis. The fact magnitude and we're not at the point where anyone I think is predicting um, a complete collapse of the banking system at the moment. Do you do you do you two do you gentlemen both own significant amounts of gold in your portfolios? I mean unfortunately um, as a journalist one of the restrictions I'm under is that I'm not allowed to actively manage uh, my money in a way that I would be able to write about it. It would prevent me from writing about it if I did so I, I'm not in that position. Yeah, same I'm a thing. journalist I'm allowed to, to uh, own gold. <laughs> yeah, it's the rules of the, the rules of the economist, unfortunately for me. You want to come over to Money Week, chaps? It's an interesting intellectual question. As to, I mean, I, I think in some ways it would be nice to be able to enjoy uh, the fruits of your own insights and to put your own risk out there, but um, that's just the way... This so, so if, you work for the, if you work for the economist you're not, and you say that government bonds are a good buy, you can't own government bonds? Well, I mean, the, the point is anyone writing about any of anything that they have a potential interest in, um, you know, is restricted. Even, but even if it's a market as big as gold or government bonds or whatever it is, I mean, I can understand. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, we're, we're basically we we you know basically they say you know it's got to be a passively managed investment portfolio. Ideally, if you're a, you, know, you can put it into an index fund or something of that kind. But no, nothing where you would have an incentive to to write stuff that would uh, potentially influence prices okay. in your favour. I understand. What are your long-term goals for gold, gentlemen? <laughs> That's a very interesting question because I, you know, I think that what this crisis has shown and the, and the fact that gold has come back reveals uh, that our existing monetary system has, has serious problems. And so I, I hope that we will see a lot more serious debate about how do we create a better system of money in which I think gold will play a role, but also maybe there's some other currencies that we developed. Um, and so I've become a big fan of uh, Friedrich von Hayek's thinking about how we should have competitive currencies in a much more serious way than we've had in the past. And so I'd like to see gold as a sort of way that a point, an arrow pointing uh, in that direction. Um, but in terms of where it goes, the price, I mean, in some ways, I'd like the price of gold to fall because I think it, it will only fall if... Uh, governments get their act together and manage the economies properly in the way they're supposed to, but I'm unfortunately very sceptical that they're going to do that, so I'm suspecting that we could easily see the gold price go much higher, particularly at the moment. You know, it's being driven up by um, institutional investors, by, by smart, intelligent individual investors, but not by uh, the general public, 
uh, piling into gold. And I think once we see signs of inflation, the public will move into gold in a big way. And that's when you'll see prices surge and they could easily go through three, four, five thousand. Who knows what, you, you say, you you know, what the limit would be. You say that the public aren't in gold there. When I write an article for Money Week on gold, uh, the only subject that gets more interest in terms of the amount of hits the article gets and the amount of comments that are posted below is the UK housing market. Gold is the most popular financial subject. It is, I think, but that's amongst members of the public who I think take an interest in in their investments. But I think for the sort of the great amount of passive money that's sitting in for the very low rate interest rate accounts, uh, money market funds, and so forth, that that public hasn't engaged seriously with gold yet. And you know, because they think inflation is never going to come back in a serious way. But I think if they start to see inflation return. You know, you, you wait to see how much interest there's going to be in gold and the number of articles recommending buy gold. And I think you'll suddenly see, you know, a, a, a huge flow of money into what is, you know, an asset with a relatively limited supply. And so that's when you see the price go through the roof. Um, in your book, you say that a return to a gold standard is, is unlikely, it's unrealistic, it would be extremely deflationary. Is that, so is a return to a gold standard a realistic outcome to all of this? Not in the, the old classical sense of governments issuing money backed by gold. Um, I think there's sometimes people sort of see this idea that we return to the gold standard and everything will be fine. And this is one of the reasons why you know, In Gold We Trust uses history to, un to inform how you know, in the past we have tried to sort of restore the stability of currencies by going back to a hard gold standard. Britain after the Napoleonic War, the United States after the Civil War. And that has had very strong deflationary implications causing long recessions. And since the, the problem that the gold standard ran into in the 20th century was the rise of democracy and you know, organized citizens, it really was saying, you can't do this. Britain tried to return to the stability of gold after the First World War. And it just wasn't politically possible to impose that degree of austerity on the public. What's the so reason? Let me, let me put something to you very quickly. Yeah. What's the reason? that on those three occasions that you mentioned, returning to a gold standard caused a deflationary slump, the fact that they went on at the wrong rate? Uh, there's a question, I think, about the rate um, at one point. But then what was says if you go on at a different rate, you're still saying you've got less money in the economy. Not if you revalue gold upwards. But then you've got a global market for gold. Let's say if you were to... Uh, take the United States as an example. It has 261 million ounces of gold in Fort Knox. Uh, yeah. If you were to use the United, if you were to value United States debt at uh, the value of its gold holdings and and revalue the gold holdings up upwards, you'd you'd be looking at something like ten thousand dollar an ounce gold, yeah. if that makes sense. And yeah. and let's say you want to create a bit of ex excess. Uh, you want to recapitalize what essentially uh, are undercapitalized markets. So you would have to revalue gold upwards even more. What about the possibility yeah. of going up back onto a gold standard of something like $15,000 an ounce? Why would that not work? Well, if you go at $15,000 an ounce, I mean, you've then had massive inflation. That's been one effect. Uh, you basically... And then you've got, to persuade the Ch you've got to persuade the Chinese to go along with that as well. Yeah, and then you've got a global market where you've got to accept people have got to accept that for that value. And then going forward, you've still got the point that you've got a fixed, a relatively fixed monetary supply. No, 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 supply. but I'm not saying, I, I agree, in, in terms of political acceptability, it's a fantastic, absurd idea and it's not going to, it's just unrealistic. But in terms of not, but in terms of 
recapitalizing the markets and not being deflationary? Why can that not work? Well, no, that wouldn't be, since that would be inflationary. Well, yeah. that's exactly that's my point, though. So it doesn't have to be deflationary. Going back to a gold standard, if you if you if you value it at the right then, rate, at that, so that one off level, you're then basically doing inflation, which is what you're trying not to do. Yeah, and then what you're saying, no, 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 it's, still it's, it's 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 revaluing gold upwards. It, like, yeah. for example, if you look at the Dow, the Dow's currently trading at, say, $12,000 an ounce. The, yeah. if you, the long-term historical ratio between the Dow and gold has been one-to-one, -one, not the, uh, the long-term, through the 19th century, it was one-to-one. -one. If you were to go back to a one-to-one -one ratio, you would revalue gold to $12,000 yeah. an ounce. We've had the inflation, the money and credit has been created. And all you're doing is... Right, but you have these two things going on. You have a transition effect. You know, what happens when you do the transition? And as, as, as Mike said, in, in that particular example, you might have... It could be inflationary, it could be deflationary. But then you have this long-term issue, which is that you are... The, the supply of gold is very fixed. Um, and therefore, you don't have the flexibility to adjust your money supply... Uh, you know, to take account of fluctuations in the economic cycle and what history has suggested is that when you have a gold standard with a fixed relationship between the supply of money and, and gold, uh, that that, what, you know, the, what Marshall called uh, the, the um, hazards of mining, um, you know, really, really affect your ability to re respond to periods where demand is weak. And so that's why it's tended to have this deflationary uh, impact. So this is why Frederick Hayek called it a wobbly anchor because it just didn't really do the job that you would want um, whatever was backing your currency to do. It, 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 it forced you to maybe suffer from these long-run tendency towards being deflationary, uh, even though there are periods where, you know, depending on what you do and setting the rate, where it can have an inflationary impact. Is deflation such a bad thing? Suddenly, I mean, uh, for example, if these one of the things we mentioned in Engulf we trust is you know, there are these people who are now looking uh, at going into space and uh, mining all the gold from the asteroids. And you could imagine them coming back and flooding a gold standard market with gold from outer space. And, and then you would uh, find it was very inflationary. Yeah, well, that's what uh, happened but, to space, you know, effectively, that, isn't that, it? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, so it isn't always deflationary. But I think when you are in a situation where the supply is fixed, it tends to have disadvantages that manifest themselves most in periods where you would most want to be able to stimulate the economy to increasing the money supply. Given the fact that we have a generation under the age of 30 who have been completely priced out and are enslaved to debt and have no hope of buying houses and finding proper employment and have to delay having families and so on and so forth, is a bit of deflation such a bad thing? It makes the world a lot more affordable to them. Is this fear of deflation merely propping up the assets of, a ba of the baby boomers? I think the second part is right, the first part is wrong. So if you have deflation, what that's going to do is actually increase the current cost of the debts you've incurred in the past. So in a sense, the young people coming through as we have to pay off those debts we've incurred in the past, those debts are getting ever larger if we've got a declining price level. And again, this is one of, I think, the elegances for politicians of the inflationary route is that if through inflation you can reduce the real value of the debt, if you can reduce, um, in a sense, steal from the baby boomers, then you're actually doing an intergenerational redistribution from savers to borrowers, from old to young. 
And I think this is going to be one of the big reasons why inflation is actually good for the younger generation and bad for the older generation. Okay, well, gents, it was, it's been fascinating talking to you. We've we've run out of time there. The book is called In Gold We Trust. Why don't you tell us, uh, one of you, Michael or Matthew, where we can buy it? It's very interesting. Uh, it's out on Amazon. It's on Kindle. Uh, it's very reasonably priced. So you go to Amazon.co.uk, Amazon.com. And it's only two dollars. It's very, very cheap because of the way Amazon uh, treats its authors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we so lose, you win. And uh, and uh, <laughs> is it coming out in hard in um, hard copy or only only uh, as um, on Kindle? Hopefully, before long, it will do. But currently, it's only available as an ebook on Kindle. Okay. But you can actually have it on your iPad app as well as you get the Kindle app on. Download it onto that's, your iPad. I, that's how I read it. I read it on my I, iPad and I enjoyed reading it very much. Um, gentlemen, uh, Matthew Bishop, Michael Green, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. The book is called In Gold We Trust. Um, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks, Dominic. Thank you. Subscribe to the Gold Money newsletter at www.goldmoney.com to receive email updates on new articles, videos, and iTunes podcasts from our gold research section.